2: We're live in three, <laughs> two, one. Oh, All Lord. right. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, back to the Gamekeeper Studio and uh, the Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Building. Arr! Yeah, and everybody right. seems and, to be in and really and. good spirits. Oh, Just yeah. Down.
1: you got those, those spring times coming.
2: It is not far away. They didn't.
1: Yeah. Well, you know... Deer
2: season uh, today is the last day in Alabama. So yeah, is, I can't. You know,
1: Vandy showed up today. It was kind of crazy. You know, I'm like, why'd you show up on the last day of the season to work? You know, you could have just waited until the yeah one more day. And, yeah, what's yeah. the deal with that?
2: But well, I think he heard we had a king cake. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah
2: could have been. So, well, there's a there's a lot going on right now. You know, we're getting ready for this uh, duck banding project.
1: So, yeah, I've been building building. Duck traps in the gamekeeper gear yeah, rides back there. That's pretty cool.
2: And it's a, it's a really intricate duck trap. I it mean, really is. I don't know that I've ever seen a duck trap before, but supposedly they will swim right in this thing, and we'll be able to catch them. In the, we're working with Mississippi State, uh, Dr. Brian Davis, and we're going to be banding some ducks here in the next few
1: weeks. Yeah, I don't think this thing has been done since the 90s down here, hasn't it? Been a long time. So maybe thirty years since there's been a winter banding project in Mississippi. I, I think that's what that's he new. said. Yeah, yeah. we're so. su- I'm, That's super exciting for us.
2: Uh, you know that, that uh, all that wildlife stuff at Mississippi State is so cool.
1: Yeah. It's cool to see the, the field work to help them too. So right now, what are we doing? I know we're we're uh, we're priming our duck catching locations.
2: Yeah, that's right, and uh, that's been done. I think there's ten spots that are primed. Is there is a, a secret way of that? Is there primed? <laughs> is there a secret way to do that? Uh, you know, I wasn't involved in the priming. Oh, okay, but I'm told we had a really good primer that primed. Them, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so uh, they are primed. Yeah, so right. then Clay's supposedly going to build uh, five. Uh, traps. Traps, traps. And, that they uh, swim in. It, it looks
3: identical in. to those things they throw off the boat on that crabbing show. Well,
2: uh-huh. those, that doesn't look identical. Those well, are square. Okay, these
3: well, are these round. are round. It has the same little
2: thing <laughs> they go in. So that's not identical. <laughs> They're made out of wire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this doesn't have a bottom. Yeah, but uh, they, mm. they they swim into it. You, you know, you're right, they're Yeah, they're very similar. Same concept.
3: Same concept. They yeah. swim in there.
2: Yeah. And so, well, before I forget it, the I've, I've been noticing in the last couple of days the the launch of Mossy Oak DNA. And that may be the best camouflage pattern that I have seen us come up with in forever. You like it. it. I love it. Yeah. I love the colors and I love that bottom
1: land background to it. It looks good. I love anything with bottomland in it, yeah. that's for sure. Oh, it looks good. Mm. I'm just
2: so excited about that one.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Good stuff.
2: Yeah, so I would encourage everybody to go to mossy and check that yeah, out. Check it out. Really good. Lanny, you look like you're fixing to say something. You kind of got
1: this. Well, I do. Message. I love. I mean, I love I love DNA, but I love Habitat, too. It is good. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you course, love anything ducks. Well, it's ducky, you know. come talking ducks. That's my head was on Habitat. Yeah, so, well. But it's got bottomland in it, too. So, anything's got bottomland, and it's just got a special place in our hearts. I got bottomland on. Do I have a special yeah. place in your heart? No, Bobby?
2: no, I didn't say you did. Yeah, you just because it's springtime. <laughs> yeah. So you made me forget what we were doing. Next. We we're okay, talking about so, duck trapping. Yeah, yeah, there's ducks. On that, the uh, there board. is. The, I'm excited about the little project, and and Clay's building these traps, and we should be. I think they're going to deploy two. Traps tomorrow yeah,
1: it, and start trying to catch them. So everybody's waving at me. What Max got some? I think he's got facts something to say over there. Say there. We got I got a know. fact
0: check here. Uh oh. The MDWFP biologists and partners have at approximately thirteen thousand mallards in Mississippi since nineteen forty nine. The peak of the MDWFP winter banding occurred in the seventies and eighties.
1: So. We're going to be the new chapter of duck banding in Mississippi.
3: I think it's going to be exciting when folks start collecting these bands and we start getting data, yeah. see yeah, what think, happens. Right, yeah,
1: I hadn't even thought about
2: that. But so that it'll be, be –
3: I assume they'll be highly collectible, especially being the first year it's been done.
2: Well, they'll be banded in the mossy oak bottomland woods. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's pretty cool. Really cool. Yeah. Bandon ducks. Guy had something cool to say, and I completely forgot. The old ADD kicked in. Pretty it, yours bad. is. Good. Mm. Oh, there, there it is. There it yeah, go? Well, you
2: are looking good in your. So the so I will tell everybody that the the, the studio continues to evolve and the lights are a daily. Little, a it's little.
1: kind of like your mood dressing. Yeah. You come in every day <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. adjust it a little bit. Uh, yeah, we got our. Yeah. We're, we're six feet apart. We brought everybody our ruler. Six feet. Yes.
2: Yeah, and we've got some nice taxidermy hanging up, and uh, but it, it does look nice. But the lights aren't quite as bright, so. You don't have to have
1: your sunglasses. Yeah, like but I still that. love these. I, and, you know, I tell you what, I just continue to be impressed with them. This is favorite pair of shades I've ever had. I'm glad I stole them from you. Yeah, I think there was two in the in the box. Uh,
2: well, there were. I'm not sure where the other pair is either, but somebody just slid some down here. So maybe you should try them on. These were the ones that were hidden for one so one. long. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm jealous. S- I'm <laughs> gonna say David McElwain had them. Oh, you think so? That sounds like
1: something he yeah. would do. It's oh brilliant. man, man, he looks like a movie director. What's that guy's name? Jack Nicholson? Yeah, oh, an actor. They're totally. Yeah. yeah. So does it is, it is the studio look better through the loophole shades? It does.
2: I think everything looks a little better through those loophole glasses. Wow, oh, man! I hear. Him. Right. Boy, you're talking
1: about a selfless plug there. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah, mean, it
3: is. I need some prescription lenses for
1: well, mine. Well, I think they? they make them. I think you can order them. Oh wow. Okay. I might be wrong. Fact check me,
2: Duck. Mac. <laughs> <laughs> so look, today's episode is brought to you by uh, GameKeeperFieldware.com. Now did that make you remember what you were Yeah, thinking? it did. Yeah, yeah okay. gamekeeper
1: did. You okay, know, go going ahead. back to the duck pine. This it's really, you know, we talk about conservation, we talk this is conservation in action. So I think that's the really the coolest thing about it. I mean, you know, we have talked about migrations and information and all this stuff for so many years. And now we're actually getting to be a part of it. So uh, that's what's super cool to me about it. It is very cool. It is. Well, we're going to
2: need everybody to help out because I think this project is going to last several years, isn't it? Well, yes, several years, but it's going to last several weeks here once, once the everything
1: gets going, but we'll document all this. Aren't we? we are. we're, gonna, we're gonna run we're the camera. You're gonna let Richie come out yeah, there. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> Richie's <this> shaking <laughs> his head. Richie Rich said, he "Ain't catching no dogs. <laughs> you
2: know, next week it's gonna be really cold. It'll it is a,
1: going to be very cold. It's cold it's as gonna I be remember. I, yeah, I but, call it bust your ass cold. Yeah, <laughs> you that's, walk that's, outside that's like, like, wind, it's so cold. It is bad, it's it's gonna be
3: too cold to plant trees, even in Mississippi. You know, the the Northerners are always saying, "Well, my ground's frozen. I can't." You think, we'll get, you think the
1: free, we'll get a ground
2: freeze? I think so. 14 oh, degrees. And wow.
3: some of those models are saying much colder than what the, the weather channel, et cetera, is saying. Might get um, that preseason turkey snack. Yeah, There was a meteoro- meteorologist out of Jackson, Mississippi, yesterday, uh, you know, showing the live temps in like Oklahoma and Kansas and comparing it to the forecasted temps. and A lot of them were 5 to, to 10 degrees colder.
1: The old Arctic blast coming so down.
3: You, it's just so it's so
2: uncertain. Well, it's going to be cold. That's for sure, and that yeah. should help our duck banding projects. So that it, it yeah. should push down a more bunch ducks. of ducks. Yeah. yeah, Richie, doesn't that excite you that you'll be, be out in the water in fourteen
1: <laughs> degrees? <laughs> yeah, I can tell he's excited. The misery
2: loves comfort. Richie Davenport, the producer of the Gamekeeper Television Show. In the studio. There he is walking around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Richie. Soon to be
1: freezing in the bottom,
2: Richie, you got a bunch of youngins, don't you?
1: I got. <laughs> I well, you, you
2: know, if you nod your head, yes, nobody gets yeah. to hear that. Yeah. So you, you got to speak up, Richie.
1: Speaking to the microphone.
2: Yeah, I got three youngins running around. Okay. Why don't you give them a shout out? Yeah. So I got a 12 year
1: old, eight year old, and a the... Two-year-old, yeah. <laughs> almost yeah, forgot up. about that one. Yeah, to try them to
2: and it. Yeah, so. what are their names? Maybe you can get them to listen to this. Yeah. Say, <laughs> shout out it. to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. We'll, we'll
2: see what we can work out with them. Okay.
1: We need every listener we can get, Richie. That, certainly. it's So <laughs> I started
2: down the road of saying uh, about the uh, the sponsors, GameCube oh, yeah. Fieldwear. So they were telling me yesterday they've got this new bundle. For the next 30 days you get a, a, a pair of uh, – you get a, your choice of a dirt shirt, and then the, the CRP pants in any color, you know, dirt or bottom lamp, whatever color you want, and a hat, it, there's a bundle. Of, so you get the pants, the shirt, and the hat, and it's 30% off for the next 30 days. Oh, wow. So they said if you will just go to GameKeeperFieldWear.com, you'll see it. See it up there on the banner. Yeah. Cool. 30, get it while it's hot. 30% off. So we're excited about that. And then today's show, we've got David Holly from uh, Mossy Oak Properties.
1: Our good buddy David Holly. And he's, you know, in the Wild Turkey Report. He, yeah, he's like, he's like, you know, this is during the day, he's new yeah. business development and, and manager for Mossy Oak Properties. But after work, he is A wild the turkey. Wild Turkey Report. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. He loves turkeys. <laughs> and he, he does. He loves turkeys more than anybody, I, more than me or you. He I may believe. be the so biggest careful. Alabama fan, too. Why do you have to bring yeah, that we up? Live without that. I mean, cousin. come on. What on, does that have to do? With Why do you anything? have to bring sports in <laughs> Everything we're You're trying, trying to make people like us. <laughs> yeah. We're not trying to run them off.
3: He's obsessed with Alabama football.
1: I think he's more obsessed with wild turkeys than anything, though. And it's been since. I mean, I've known him uh, most of his life, and he's been that way uh, since a very very early age. He, yeah, I'm actually. You know, he's actually been on
2: David Letterman. Yeah, Colin yeah, yeah. So I want to. I'm hoping we can somehow share that as a part of the 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 podcast, uh the this video version that they're the guys are trying to put together. But uh, I, I've got a couple of quick questions to ask him about that his
1: experience on the Letterman show. Ah. Well I'll tell you one thing. He can flat yelp. So oh he yeah. Can. <laughs> yeah he can. He's pretty so, deadly. So what I'm uh
2: thinking that we're gonna end up talking about hopefully the I can old, keep everything the, the legend of this turkey that was a uh, called well uh, that's Kind of to be determined, but some now, people say the moss head. Some people say the mossy head. So,
1: and what do you think it's referred to as? I
2: honestly don't really know, but I think it might be the mossy head. But and I'm gonna go know. with the
1: moss head. Yeah. What do you think, but, but I,
2: I want to say I heard a
3: mentioning of moss head. Uh, was that the old Mackelhenny book?
1: I, yeah. And, think, and so, I mean. I guess we should probably talk about even what a moss head is because I don't know. I mean, we're pretty steeped in turkey culture around here. So I mean, maybe the deer guys don't even know what we're talking about.
2: Well, that's true. And then uh and I think it might even be kind of limited to to the to Alabama as well. To or the, the yeah, the Alabama, deep Alabama, south Swamp, coastal plain. That that Clark County area where the turkeys kind of a lot of the turkeys that were stocked
1: in Alabama kinda came from. Mm-hmm. And so, like it's kind of like a legend. So, to me, and I, I guess just like anything else, everybody's got their own interpretation. But a a mosshead to me is one of the native turkeys, you know, from the area from b- before stocking. If there's even one, and, and I, maybe there's not even one, but maybe there was one or two that made it, you know, and then they ended up breeding with the turkeys that were finally introduced success- successfully. And then every now and then you have this genetic you know i'm not going to call him a freak but just kind of reaches back to that old old you, ah man just uh, more expresses more <laughs> the native you know characteristics which is darker squattier wider uh lighter bigger spurs uh and a lightning bolt gobble
2: you know it's a it's a really interesting
1: discussion
2: because you, you the older somebody is the more involved in this discussion they seem they have more uh ability to talk about it and so there's another guy that i've got that i want to have on later on in the podcast named tim cosby who for over 30 years worked with the alabama department of conservation he was the chief law enforcement officer big big turkey hunter and he's actually killed some moss or mossy heads whatever you want to say
1: and 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 you're saying down there it's a cross between osceola and an eastern
2: i'm not saying i I think that's all arguable that's what he's and when, when i was talking to him that's what he said I think you're, so. you're letting that cat out of the bag a little bit. Here. I think but, some
3: biologists uh, would say we're crazy, but others not. So that that's why it's such a cool topic. So
2: but, what do you think? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I, I, I like the idea of thinking that there's something a little bit mythical about it. But I do remember many years ago being at Portland Landing and uh, and on a hunt with a guy from uh, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. But I remember we yelped up a turkey that when I – and let me preface this by saying almost 100% of the turkeys I've ever called up, it always goes through my mind, look how big that turkey is when yeah. he walks up. And, and he's – or if, he, yeah, if he's especially strutting, strutting right. and you just go, oh, my gosh, look how big it is. And I remember when this turkey came up, I went, oh, my – he's like, he's like a miniature. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. he, but he had a full gobble. He yeah. had a long beard. But he was just like a mini yeah. turkey. and But we didn't get him killed. But I remember, I can clearly remember that. And I'm, I've always wondered if he was one of those. Now, when I, growing up in you know, I grew up in Montgomery mm-hmm. and a turkey hunted in Union Springs and grew up down there around all those guys and turkey hunting was a big part of the culture down there. But you could, it was hard. I don't ever remember a turkey weighing more than 17 and a half pounds. That's just what they weighed down there. Mm-hmm. But now, when you get closer to Montgomery and Montgomery County, mm-hmm. and you you start hearing folks talking about killing nineteen and twenty pound turkeys,
1: well, the uh, the one I had particular experience with was a uh, uh, actually Mossy Oak Properties office owner that was hunting with us here. Uh, it was the same way, uh, turkey goblin coming towards us when it shows up. I'm like, well, look at that thing, <laughs> you know? It's like, God, oh, that's a it's like, a, and we ended up killing it. And the turkey was shorter, squattier, very dark, and had great spurs on him and weighed 13 14 pounds you mm-hmm. know now where was this Cottrell lake right outside of town
0: yeah so
3: it's not uncommon in the south that to, to hear about i need that. to find
1: that bird i do i i think uh i don't know if wesley got it mounted or not it'd be interesting to ask me if he did sure i will put that on my to-do list yeah
2: I, knowing wesley i bet he didn't
1: But I bet there's a (laughs) photo. That's probably right. I don't know why I asked him. So, what do you think, Dudley?
3: Yeah, I mean, over the years, you, especially in the deep South, you hear of people killing these gobblers that weigh thirteen to sixteen pounds, have big spurs, um, and they're just kind of a, a freak. Right. And it's it's rare, but it happens.
1: So. So maybe it's I think that, there's something to native it. Native. I
3: don't know if it's some kind DNA of recessive like, trait yeah, yeah. that keeps popping up or or what, but uh, hopefully some of our listeners will shoot some gobblers in the deep south, and we can,
2: you know, so, you I'd know, like to
3: learn more about it.
2: These recessive traits, uh, uh, that, that, there's something to that because I I see more smoke phase. Hens Mm -hmm. now that I can ever remember seeing when younger and growing up, and maybe I'm just traveling now more. I think it's,
3: I think it's just because there's more cameras in the woods,
2: but maybe not. Well, I'm I'm turkey hunting's more popular. I'm talking about with my own eyes. I mean, uh, one day last week I saw there was a flock of about sixty birds out in the field within ten miles here. Uh, Where and and there were four or five (laughs) whitish colored hens in that flock.
1: This has to be somewhere between here and the Ponderosa. There's no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna follow him. No,
2: no, there's no turkeys over
1: there. (laughs) Yeah, well, there
2: was a turkey-free zone. (laughs) That's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, but no, this would have been west of West Point. Yeah,
3: I know where you're talking about. Mm
2: -hmm. And, I mean, they weren't solid white, but they had white in them. And then there's, I mean, you know, re- back around here, we just, uh, just occasionally I see. No, nah, we've, yes, yeah, I'm, similar. I'm getting
1: a
3: smoky hen on my cameras at my place right now.
2: Yeah, that's, that's so that's a recessive gene that, that, that pops up from time to time. Yeah, so so maybe what, what you're describing, if that's how the birds really were originally, it could. It's maybe just like, it's just like Dr. Chamberlain talking about the, the wolves. Uh, breeding with coyotes, with coyotes and ac- yeah. occasionally something popping up. It's, well, look at it's, there. It's probably no different than that. Connecting the dots there, we Mr. Can, Cole. It's,
3: it's just interesting to to learn more about this stuff and and discuss it and not be so quick to
1: say, oh. Yeah, because you're right. Bottom line um, is nobody knows everything, right? <laughs> so,
2: well, why don't we get David on the phone?
1: Let's call him up. Well,
2: but before we do that, well, look, we, we got to keep this thing on, on track, Mac. Mac. Are you texting Matt, your Matt, wife or what are you? Mac, 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 All right. <laughs> so, Mac, you've got a commercial. Why don't we do that and then we'll we'll roll right into getting David on the phone.
1: I hope we get to interrupt him again.
0: Yeah. I was actually texting David to let him know we're about to
1: come. Oh, him. good, good. Good answer. He's over there handling okay. business.
0: <laughs> but I got I got a few rhetorical questions for you guys. All right. Hmm.
1: Rhetorical. Rhetorical.
0: Y'all love wildlife.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you love
0: hearing more about wildlife.
1: You know, I do. sure.
0: Do you think you know everything there is to know about
1: wildlife? Absolutely not. We were just talking no. about that. Then
0: you need to check out the Gamekeeper magazine. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: is. This guy needs to get in marketing right here. So, <laughs> got, uh, got, got him. Got him. Got him.
0: Obviously, this isn't your typical magazine. Our magazine's a quarterly magazine packed full of field-proven tips and tactics and super useful information. Uh, whether you're interested in whitetails, waterfowl, small game, turkeys, or fish, our magazine talks about the creatures we love and how to take care of them. Plus, when you become a Gamekeeper member, you get discounts on Seed, our native nursery trees, and our Gamekeeper apparel. Boom.
1: And we got this nice little app. we got a little digital version of it. And I saw it this morning. We do have a new website. It's not up and live yet, but we had not showed it to you Oh, wow. And I know. We're excited. I really, I, we've um, been
2: talking about this for years.
1: Yes. <laughs> we've been working on it for years.
2: <laughs> well, Mac wrote that himself.
1: Yeah. That was good. Mac, you're getting like better, better every week. Yeah, I took the bait. Thanks, guys. Oh, man. Creatures. Mac, mac.
3: Now you've got to beat that next week.
1: Yeah. Start working on it yesterday.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, that's that's good, Mac. Thank you. You know, I'm surprised more people don't subscribe to our magazine. That's kind of frustrating because it's a really good
1: magazine. It is. It's great. Um, But we do, you know, we take that as an information base, and we send it out everywhere we can, too. So we're reaching them. That's right. All right, everybody. Well, I'd like to
2: welcome David Holly from Malshi Oak Properties. Our own David Holly.
1: Yeah. Which one of our How favorite are y'all people? guys? Man, yeah. we're doing great. How's things in Livingston?
2: Oh, just
4: peachy, man. It's, it's nice and warm today. It's got me thinking about turkeys, but I say got me thinking about turkeys. I kind of always think about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that earlier. Like, I mean, you're pretty obsessed about most things, but I mean, you take the turkey thing to the next level, even for us. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I definitely would say I'm obsessed. I do love those little birds.
1: I was kind of comparing you to like uh, to a superhero during the day. You know, he's vice president of business development at Mossy Oak Properties. But as soon as he gets off work, he's the wild turkey report.
3: <laughs> it's, it's always in the back of his mind.
2: Yeah, so- yeah. yeah. So anybody listening to the podcast needs to go and uh, go onto Instagram and follow the Wild Turkey Report, and that that is actually something that you do. It's a labor of love, and you try to spread the gospel about wild turkeys on there.
3: It's a big deal, a real big deal. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that most people listening are probably already following the Wild Turkey Report.
1: I would think so too. Yeah. Okay. Well, well
4: it, it's been a lot of fun. You know the the thing. I, I didn't realize I was going to get out of the deal with so many friendships. I mean, people I hadn't even met in person, but I text all the time, talk to them about turkey hunting. So that's been really cool. But the last few years, it's been a good way for, you know, us to kind of along with what y'all do at Gamekeepers, to share the message of conservation because I don't think the average turkey hunter uh, in the future is going to be somebody that just can show up on opening day. They're going to have to give back a little bit. Help this bird out Um, you know i I really enjoyed y'all's episode last week with mike chamberlain i thought that was um really really good and uh there was a lot of great information in there so i appreciate y'all sharing that message and and mike for joining y'all i mean social media has become a great vehicle for us to get the word out of there about some of the the challenges that the turkey has going on right now and how we as hunters can help to fix that
1: that's awesome. When did you start Wild Turkey Report? You were one of the first in the game, I believe. Yeah, about
4: 2011, I think. Wow. It's hard to believe it's been that long. I hadn't written an article since 2014, but been thankfully the content on the website is evergreen. So, there you go. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's hey, the same stuff now.
2: <laughs> so, David, before we go too far down this, this road with you, I, I wanted to be uh, – One of the things that's always impressed me about you is uh, as a youngster, you won a bunch of turkey calling contests. And at one time, you got to be on the David Letterman show in Yelp. And that was just, a, that was such a fun, had to be such a fun moment for you because yeah. it's fun for us to watch it. <laughs> but I didn't realize that you were kind of like, you remember the movie uh, Rain Man where the toothpicks would fall on the floor and the guy could just immediately tell you. I mean, I'm told that you can, somebody can throw out a city and you can tell just almost exactly how many miles it is from you to that city. <laughs>
4: No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> yeah. I do look at maps a lot. I'm not. No, you're you're overstating this. <laughs> I had seen the show the night before, and it had had gone and looked at the atlas and seen where Scottsboro, Alabama, was in relation to me. So that that seems like a great feat. I know everyone was probably impressed by that. <sighs> there's don't little, ruin. Little, it. There's a little research that went into that.
2: Well, so Dudley had a couple of questions for for you based on that. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> so Dudley <I> without uh, <laughs> Oh, you wrote them down. It's <laughs> going to be good.
3: <laughs> um, Bobby, you told me we weren't going to bring this up, so I didn't look up the questions and the distances.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I, I misunderstood what I told her because I, but at, ahead, I, I, I will have to
3: say that I looked up the distance between Scottsboro and Livingston, and it is exactly 250.8 miles so and so you take you completely nailed that.
1: Well it, you say about something about twenty fifty nine? Is how you get there too?
3: Well, yeah, yeah. If you take the I twenty to I fifty nine route, it's exactly two hundred and fifty miles. So
2: I would encourage people to go on the Moss Yoke Go app, and they can Mac. Tell me, remind me a little bit later how mac, they can mac. find that. But <laughs> well, it's it's just it's just really precious. It is awesome, and he makes this unbelievable Yelp an example. I think it's a fly down cackle, if I'm not mistaken, but. That when he when David Letterman says, How far is that? He says, two fifty <laughs> <laughs> miles. It's just it's just really good. Oh, it's great. So start. I David yeah. I, well
4: very few, very few people were gonna verify that. So I could have said literally anything and they'd have be been like, Wow.
2: You know, yeah, you are okay. But, well, hey, I'm glad he did his homework. Impress, I mean, what I took right from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so look now, you're also a fan of something that Lanny and Dudley and I are, are huge fans of. So, I've prepared a question for you. Oh, okay. So oh, once once okay. we get past this question, we can get down to the serious stuff. So, my question is, and, we, and I'll direct it to you, David, <laughs> first, and then if you don't know, you can defer it to one of these two. Uh, no, I'm skull. I would, I I would probably,
1: I would choose Dudley.
2: <laughs> so the question is, um, Uncle Versi Ledbetter Ooh, had a mule yeah. that died right before one of Jerry's bird hunts. And the question is, what was the mule's name? <sighs> mm, that's that's a not
4: tough one. on the CD that I have in my truck, but I have heard that one. Um,
2: I don't know. Was it a traveling salesman that shot it? No, it was the producer from the RCA Records that, that flew out that's there. That's right.
4: Dressed that's like right.
2: Little Lord Fauntleroy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me – hold on now. I'm glad we got on Jerry Clowers because that's kind of one of my traditions is as I'm going to Turkey and I play the CD. So that's how I know a lot of these stories, Bob. Y'all told the dove hunting stories. That kind of ruined what I'm <laughs> – but the, there is a, a good quick quote that he said. He said, you know, southerners are naturally funny. He said, we can just say about anything – And someone north of the Mason Dixon line is going to laugh. He says, I was down at Yazoo City, Mississippi the other day, seeing my friends, and a funeral procession came by. And I asked the old boy, I said, Who died? He said, Jerry, the one in the first car.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's great.
2: So I'm guessing
1: you don't know the name of the mule he made. I don't
4: know the name of the mule. Uncle Versi made
1: 40 good crops with that mule. I'm going to guess. If Dudley doesn't know. Go ahead. Well, does Dudley know? No. Now, you can look at Dudley. Too. No. <laughs> is, it, is it Bessie? No. God. God. I got That's a really good guess, though. Yeah. Yeah. Odella. 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 Yeah, I'm not as familiar Odella. with that. Cla- That's Stone her story. soul. Yeah, mm. made 40 Rest good drops
2: with him. Jerry, just shoot her, and me and the boys will be out there later, and we'll tend to <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, we always listen to Paul Hardy Ty- on, got- on the way to the hunting back, so I don't know any Jerry Yeah, I, t- know just, t- were, uh, got, and
4: I know y'all mentioned this. Yeah, he, he took him and a guy from T&N, him and Bob Dixon, and uh, he has some funny stories from that. So you need to uh, ask Toxie about some of the sayings. He just was a naturally funny guy. You know, he he called the overalls overhauls. and And he had like, it was like a 4X or something. And I'm not gonna say on air what his comment was, but
2: Astoxy is pretty hilarious. Yeah, it was. This so my, my, I remember when he came here, he ate at Anthony's. Anthony's had a lunch buffet. Mm, I remember and that. And somebody said I remember that. Said, uh, Mr. Clower, you didn't get any of that boiled ochre. He said, Son, I've had so much boiled ochre I can't even keep my socks up.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh me. <laughs> So, David, why don't you? Uh, we want to ask and talk about the uh, Lanny being as curious as he is. Gotta started <laughs> remembering about stories about the old. Is I don't know if it's the mosshead or the mossy head. And uh, can you kind of enlighten us with what you know about that legend? I'll tell you what I've heard,
4: not what I know, because knowing implies fact, and this mm. ain't fact. Right. Uh, but I will. So on page 22 of 10th Legion, which is obviously <laughs> the, uh, the turkey hunter's Bible uh, by Tom Kelly, uh, he talks about how people insisted that the mossy head turkey was found in the lower coastal plain in the swamps of either Alabama, South Georgia, South Carolina, and essentially that people claimed that was the original and pure strain of wild turkey. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the characteristics he talked in there was that it was a small turkey. Uh, It had more feathers on its head. Uh, I texted y'all a picture of a turkey that a guy killed there in Camden, Alabama, not far from Portland, Landing, that weighed 13 pounds and had feathers up his back. Um, But that's kind of the characteristic of what people say was the original strain of wild turkey. And to this day, You know, I've been on some hunts down, you know, kind of close to Choctaw Bluff and that lower Alabama River swamp. You'll kill a lot of turkeys and see a lot of turkeys down there that weigh 13 and 14 and 15 pounds. I mean, they're just, they look like a Bantam rooster. Um, I've even seen one that was killed that I can't describe to you how small its head was. It it looked like a putter head. Hmm. And, I mean, it had an inch and a quarter spurs. Very gray-looking head. Um, the the kind of gray part of his wattles, you know, or caruncles mm-hmm. or whatever you call it, that was just more pronounced, just didn't have a whole lot of color, and his head was just real small. And he was killed, you know, down at a place called Bullpen. That I mean, it's as wild as it gets. I mean, it's an hour north of Mobile, and it's, it's just an untamed-type place. But uh, that is what a lot of people say was the original wild turkey. Now, Tom Kelly grew up hunting those places, and he said that it's it's BS in his own words, but uh, that's just, you know, a lot of people have said those sorts of things, that they've killed those swamp turkeys, and that's what they weigh and how they look.
1: Hmm. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, I'm tra- I've done a little bit of research on it, and um, from what, I'm, I'm tracking right with you, David, on kind of what my definition of a Mosshead would be. It would be a... We talked about this a little earlier before you got on, is a, a turkey that exhibits more native qualities than, you know, the rest of the ones around him. But uh, even looking back in some journals, in the, and, and you will know a lot, probably be able to validate this, you know a lot more about wild turkey restoration than I do. But it seems like there were some restoration efforts early on where they thought they could just basically raise turkeys and let them go in the wild. And it was a, right. a huge failure. Yeah.
4: Disaster,
1: yeah. disaster. I was reading some USDA uh, documents where there was a particular farm where they were trying to raise turkeys that had more mosshead characteristics. So, and I think that was in like the the that journal in the 30s. I was reading, so it's kind of right. interesting. So, it's like it's it's like a legend. that's always been there, even in the early days of turkey conservation. It was like they were trying to, and I, I assume, and I, I'm you can correct me here if I'm wrong too the breeding of the turkeys and letting them go never took it would, because of predation, because they, I, you know, weren't like a wild bird and weren't adaptive right. enough, but they started trapping turkeys uh, and relocating. And that's where the successes came in. so it's kind of interesting right. thinking about that. And then this legend of this moss head, mossy head. Uh, I mean, why not? Like Bobby was saying earlier, when Dr. Chamberlain was talking about uh, interbreeding between wolves and coats, you know, he's saying that coats every now and then, you know, someone will exhibit those wolf-like traits. So, yeah. Hey. yeah.
4: Well, and the thing to understand, by and that's a great point, Lanny, is is that a lot of the places where mossy head turkeys were were said to be are places that continuously had turkeys even during the dark days.
1: There you go. You know mm-hmm.
4: when. You, you know, and, um, I mean, that's something that a lot of a lot of the turkeys, you know, that were restocked came from these areas, uh, you know, through the trap and transfer program. So, um, you know, a lot of the, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see turkeys that were harvested and somewhere else that would have some
1: of these characteristics. Interesting. Yeah, it is.
3: I'd, I'd love to see a study on it someday where. I don't know. It's something you, know,
1: you could uh, ever prove, you know? I mean, what would you take, DNA sample? I mean, how would you even get the original DNA to compare uh, it to? Yeah. You know? I don't know how you would. Yeah. yeah I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't like the legend, <laughs> you know? I like the gray area. You know, somewhere, <laughs> somebody's got one of these turkeys mounted yeah. somewhere. <clears throat> yeah, you're right. I bet somebody's got a mm-hmm. a, a jaguar mounted, too.
5: Like probably, probably <laughs> <that>. <laughs> 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 we just can't leave that alone, can we? If we got to go back it to it all, comes so, up. Yeah, so, Look,
3: you,
4: it's fun. It's fun to have these urban legends or rural yeah. legends. Yeah. I guess you know. I mean, that's that's. I mean, we've run out of things to talk about if we didn't keep these little stories alive. But uh, you know, I've. I, I just think it's cool to to think about turkeys. Uh, without any sort of influence or interference from domestic strains, you know possibly still having some
1: genes floating around yeah that, oh, yeah that's, that's really a cool, cool thing to think about hundred percent.
2: And it's got to be that way because uh, you know in Clark County and maybe a little further south where, where some of where we've been talking about in that above the mobile basin down in the Alabama River basin right where it dumps into Mobile Bay. That's
1: uh, that's where the original turkeys for Alabama yeah. were trapped and spread around the state. Okay, so that being said, is this not a valid point to talk about when we say that we think that there is a southeastern subspecies? I'm just saying, is it possible that we had more native wild stock turkeys, yeah, and just... therefore our turkeys are more challenging than others? Just throwing it out there for some turkey heads.
4: Well. Yeah. Yeah, lady, I think that's a good point. I mean, you know, these, these turkeys in a lot of places here in the south have been continuously hunted since Moses got yanked out of the bull race. I mean, they just <laughs> that's just that's just part of it, you know, yeah. what makes it so cool. I mean, I myself am a fourth generation turkey hunter. I mean, yeah. you know, and there's very few places across the country where you get beyond two just because they didn't have turkeys, you know, right. for a long time. But I do think there's also, I mean, Tom Kelly kind of touches on this, but, you know, Dudley, you can probably explain this more on with trees. I mean, sometimes you have site-specific site mutations and characteristics. Sure. You know, is it is it possible that, you know, a turkey that lives in a, uh, a a swamp in the low country that's just one of these gnarly, you know, looks like South Florida, you'll see a lot of turkeys that, people will kill and you look at their wing bar and you say, that's an Osceola. Right. Well, it's not really an Osceola from the strain of, you know, being of the Osceola strain, something that in that environment has helped mm. to create that situation that makes that Turkey where there's, you know, the melanin or whatever they sure. call, you know, with sunlight. I mean, it the, the color, I mean, the nutrients in the water. So, yeah, I think there are, some validity to maybe uh, some subsects of subs, of subspecies, if sure. that makes sense. But I think that the geography and the, you know, um, place characteristics can also lend to that too.
3: Mm. Yeah, I mean, there, there's already so much diversity among, you know, the Meliagris
1: genus what's Uh, that (laughs) (laughs) it it makes perfect sense to me hey i think yeah i I love this conversation about Mm -hmm. the southeastern
4: well well why don't i'll tell you something cool that i I got into an argument with somebody in texas one time um and they said basically if you took a rio and stuck him in sumter county alabama that he would sound the exact same because of the air and the terrain and stuff like that and i was hunting in kansas one year that was kind of right on the line where you had easterns and rios and this big pat i mean it was a big 500 acre soil field and there would be a clump of easterns and then a clump of rios and then you kind of have these little hybrids or whatever but the easterns you know they'd stick out their neck and they sounded like a turkey around here and then the rios they'd stick out their neck and they'd sound like what you'd expect to be a Rio. So I thought that was pretty interesting that, you know, there were still, even though they were in the same setting, that they kind of dispelled that theory of of turkey sounding yeah. the exact same, regardless of subspecies.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't think they would either. Man, no, I know ours sound different. Yeah. They I just mean, gobble harder. They, just they gobble bring their thought, buddy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, uh, David, stay on with us right now. Why don't we at this point try to get uh, Tim Cosby? He, okay. And and he, Lanny, there's the number there if you can Bluetooth it into your phone. look Mr. Tim. Yes, sir. This is Bobby Cole and Lanny Wallace and Dudley Phelps and David Hawley and a cast of others sitting around having a podcast. How are you doing? <laughs>
5: I'm doing all right today, Bobby. how you doing?
2: Well, I'm good. I'm good. Well, everybody, this is Mr. Tim Cosby. He's retired from the Alabama Department of Conservation. he's been there for a long time, and I was telling him you're a lifelong turkey hunter.
5: Yeah, well, I started when I was in my teens, and I'm 73 now, so that will give you an idea.
1: Been chasing them a while.
5: <laughs> Been chasing them a long time. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, I chased them when there wasn't hardly any turkeys where I live. <laughs> hey,
1: I don't guess it ever gets old. That's what we say. What do you think about that, <laughs>
5: Well, I, I haven't seen it get old yet. Now, I've had days that got old, but not, not the entire season. So. That's right.
1: <laughs> it sure is uh, fun. It sure is fun. Well, we appreciate you being here today. Yeah. You're around a bunch of people that love wild turkeys, too. There's no doubt about that. Oh, yeah. Right.
5: Well, I, I do, and, and uh, fortunately, my family does, and I've got grandsons now that I'm teaching how to do it. and. And, uh, you know, they really enjoy it, and, and we've had some good times together. Uh, and all of it centered around hunting and a lot of it around turkey hunting. So. That's awesome.
2: I was, uh, Mr. Tim, I was telling them that, uh, that you told me that you thought you might be the first person to catch a coyote in a trap in Alabama, or at least you're part of Alabama where you lived.
5: Well, the, the coyotes, uh, as you know, were not here. Uh, we had none. Whenever I was growing up as a kid, and we we look, we ran fox with dogs, and we I mean I I come from a long line of hunters, and there were no coyotes. Uh, now the first one I knew anything about, um, I was running a trap line, and we with well, a cousin of mine. I had two lines. He ran one, and I ran one. And he I, I actually set the traps, and he just checked and He called me one morning, and, and we had caught a coyote. this was in nineteen seventy eight, and North Covington County, near a little town called Rose Hill. That was the first coyote I ever saw in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, they didn't believe it when I went back to Montgomery. I always, after deer season, I always took 10 days off and went and brought a trap line because I I just enjoyed doing it. And back then, it was, you know, a little bit of money and it wasn't a lot, but uh, you just have something you have to enjoy. It's kind of kind of one of those things I've done since I was a kid, and uh, they didn't believe I I trapped a coat, so I had to go back over to the gully where we put the carcass. and I cut the head off, put it in a bag, and they sent it over to Auburn, and they, you know, they said it was a coat. Hmm. I already knew it was a coat, but <laughs> they just didn't believe it. And it wasn't many years; it wasn't many years. Everybody believed there was coats in Alabama because mm-hmm. in the eighties, you know, they spread rapidly, right. and uh, right. Uh, a lot of them probably could have migrated in. But, you know, we got a new prey species here called deer, and they could have followed them in, but they could have come across on the interstates. But I think a lot of them were turned loose by uh, well-meaning fox hunters. When red fox dropped in numbers, they just imported some run, and without mm. thinking about all the repercussions of, of mm. what the cokes were going to do. So. Mm. Uh, well, you, that, know, you have to be careful about import species. That's where I'll leave it at. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's
1: true
2: for sure. Well, so look, one of the things that what we wanted to talk about today, Mister Tim, is uh, and I, I, I told everybody that you've been with the Department of Conservation for a long time. And, uh, and and if anybody would know about the, I don't know if it's the moss head or the mossy head, maybe you can help us with that, but we were hoping you could talk about that a little bit and help us understand the, 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 legend. the legend of the moss
5: yeah. head. Well, they, they, in, in southwest Alabama, they call them a mossy-headed turkey. I mean, that's, that's the terminology they use, and I don't know if it's a, a distinct species, some genetic trait that pops up occasionally. Uh, I, I actually have killed two that would qualify when I was a constellation officer in bowen County and, work, and worked in North Bowland County, which of course is a river swamp country. And that's where they're primarily at. And, and you you get around Clark, Washington, North Baldwin, uh those areas you'll hear them talk about mossy-headed turkeys more than anywhere. Uh, the the turkey they're describing, uh, and I'll I, I we'll go ahead and describe it, and then I'll tell you a little bit about some of the conversations I've had with it, it is a smaller-framed turkey, generally, and a darker turkey. Uh, he's a shorter-legged turkey for whatever reason, but he a long-spurred turkey. The best spurs I ever killed on a turkey, and of all the turkeys I've called up that's been killed, he looked like a uh a, a banny rooster with spurs on him is what he looked like. He weighed fourteen and a half pounds. <laughs> and uh he had gas on him nearly two inches long. Oh and, man. and uh, uh but he was real dark and of course being real dark makes his head look real white and that's why they call him a mossy headed turkey because he's got that real bright head and and, uh, he came out to Harder River Swamp. There's two of them that I've killed down there. The other one was a little bigger, didn't have quite spurs on him, but, uh, he was still a nice turkey and he was a dark barred turkey. And I've seen a picture or two, uh, of other turkeys in, that came from in the swamp that were really dark turkeys. In fact, one of them, uh, was sent to me, uh, by a conservation officer and, and you could see the barn in them, but they, they didn't have the lightness to them, but even the barn, it was almost like a black uh, mm. wing, almost like a buzzard wing on him. And uh, mm. it was a unique turkey, and, and I think, now, whether that's just a, a genetic uh, occurrence down there that pops up every once in a while, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I, I don't know about any DNA that's been done on them, and they're not in abundant numbers. You get out on the hill, turkeys look just like they do anywhere else, and even turkeys in that swamp all don't look that way uh, and I talked with uh, uh, the late David Nelson who was a biologist at, uh, a friend of mine that left us way too early uh, and he was from over in that area and we talked about it and he said he thought it might be a recurrence yeah. of genetics from a hybrid of eastern and osceola turkeys that happened a long time ago mm. and of course uh And it could be without genetic testing. You're never going to know what the answer is there. Uh, But they do exist from time to time. Um, I talked to uh, a game warden I worked with for years now in Clark County, just to kind of refresh my memory. And he said he'd heard about them and he said in fact he got a call this front last spring from Washington County. Somebody was telling him they had killed a mostly-headed turkey, a little turkey with big spurs and dark. And uh, so they don't happen every year. I don't. I don't guess you get a call. Everybody down there doesn't kill one every year, but they're a unique little turkey, and and uh, and like I say, it may just be a genetic throwback to something that happened a long time ago. But they they are distinctive enough that they have earned a name so you know it's kind of kind of just one of those things that happened down there and uh i was fortunate to be down that long enough that I, I killed some turkeys and two of them i would have qualified for what you call a, a mossy-headed turkey and uh, but now i killed a bunch of turkeys in the swamp that looked just like turkeys everywhere else they generally are not as large if you have hunted the swamp you know that yeah, I think it has to do with abundance of food there, and the swamp is yeah. not quite as good as it is on the hill, and turkeys are just generally smaller. Uh, you know, a uh, swamp turkey weighs 18 pounds, a big turkey, and you know, you get up here in the country I'm in, a 20 pound turkey doesn't even cause anybody to look at you. And if you kill one 22 or 23 pounds, it's not uncommon, so it uh, it just has to do, and it may just have to do with habitat. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert on mm-hmm. mossy-headed turkeys. I just have seen what they refer to as a mossy-headed turkey.
2: Well, on this call, you the you the, you the expert, expert. Is right mm-hmm. here. Everything. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you laid your hands on one. So, David, have you got a question?
4: That- no, I, I I think he really hit on everything that I kind of had heard, you know, was basically that that kind of is something that kind of pops up occasionally down in those river swamps along the Alabama and Tom Bebe River drainages
5: yeah they they seem to they seem to be more along the river in the heart of the swamp itself uh, the hill turkeys uh, generally are pretty much what we what we normally see uh, it uh, it's just uh it's almost an anomaly that happens i think and and uh, I' like to say it, it's probably a genetic Throwback to, to something that happened a long time ago, and I have no way of knowing that. I'm just guessing because if it was a if it was a straight species, there would be a lot of them, and uh, and there's not. I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know that they're just real, real high numbers of them. But but occasionally somebody will kill one, and that's what they will class it as a mossy headed turkey, and it's generally real dark, fairly small, and got. You know, good spurs on him, and and uh, and of course, by being dark, his head looks a lot whiter than uh, on a regular turkey. So,
3: Mr. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if they did a lot of trapping back in the day, if this if this was one of the original strongholds of the wild turkey, and mm-hmm. and birds were trapped and moved all over the southeast, um, I would think that there could be a possible chance that that trait could show up. You know, just about anywhere in the southeast that that birds were moved to,
5: right? Uh, or I'd uh, like to think that. I mean, that's well, I, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't know how widespread the trade is. It's it's not like they come out in big numbers every year. Sure. It's just occasionally somebody will kill one. That's it's it's, uh, it, it's kind of like killing an albino uh, gobbler. Mm-hmm. It, you know, what I mean, but they exist, but they just don't exist in numbers and. And, uh, you know, you, you see, you see white turkeys and, and they're the same turkey, but they're different. And, uh, what makes them white, of course, is genetics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, I can't say that it's a distinct species. And, and of course, uh, the turkeys that were stocked were moved and they've been, uh, just like here. I mean, they're, they're a bigger-bodied turkey, I think, primarily because we had tame turkeys running loose here when they were being restocked, and they may have got mixed a little bit. You got, you got all that, and you got to remember that that even in the old days, of, let's say the 1750s and past that, people had farms and had turkeys on. Them. I mean, uh, the, the, they were tame turkeys in existence back then on farms and stuff that could have possibly got mixed in with our true wild turkeys. So. Mm. Uh, it, 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 as I say, genetics is the only way we could do it. And run DNA and see if there's a different DNA strand in them that causes this, or or who knows? You know, it's kind of just one of those things that happens down there. And, and I'll give you every everybody the information I know on it. But no, I, I, well, we appreciate you know, that. it's just a, it's, mm. it's just it's just one of those things that that occurs occasionally. Yes. And, and they they all the people that have lived down there and really turkey hunted all their lives they they are aware that occasion one of them is killed and and uh you know it's just a it's just a, a kind of a neat part of a, of a turkey story down in that part of the world so
1: well i tell you what you sound like you're an expert on that part of the world which i would consider the mobile river river basin and that'd be a, a good analogy
5: yeah, well, I I, I actually worked the, and and uh, spent a good bit of time in the in the upper delta area. If you if you come along there about I sixty five where it crosses and go north all the way up to Dixie Landing and a little further, that was the territory I worked. It's probably the last of the real true wilderness in Alabama, and uh, mm-hmm. it was a good place to work and still would be. I of course I'm retired long since and. Uh, I worked in Montgomery for a number of years. Uh, I was, I was actually, uh, chief of enforcement for 11 years before I retired. And, uh, but, uh, my heart's always been in the upper Delta down there. I, I just love that country. It's always been part of me ever since I spent those years down there in it. And, you know, uh, it, it, it's just, it's just a true wilderness that's left in Alabama.
1: No yeah. doubt about it. I've been That's fortunate enough to spend a little bit of time down there. Maybe you can help help me, you know. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Help me with a little something, you know, here. Okay. You know. I, you know, I, I just uh, have a personal experience down in that part of the world of seeing, you know, and everybody, you know, I'm sure you've heard these stories before. No. before Bobby doesn't believe me. of Long-tailed <laughs> cats in that part of the world. Is there a possibility? Were there ever there? And what's your opinion on that?
5: Okay, we talking about the, 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 the brown, dark brown cats, or we're talking about black cats? We're talking about
1: dark brown cats.
5: We're not I talking know, about black cats. Yeah, okay, there, there is a possibility of, of, a, of a cougar coming through that part of the world. And, and the reason I say that is back in the 80s, uh, we never said much about it and didn't have much way to prove it. In the swamp up here in the Tauga County, there was some big bean fields. And a bow hunter was scouting and he was actually sitting in a tree just with a camera making videos. And he, he videoed a long tail, uh, cat, which was obviously a cougar come all the way across one of those bean fields hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you could tell he was in a hunting mode or he had she, right. whatever it was was in a hunting mode and went out in the field. Now, if it was staged, it's the most elaborate staging I've ever seen because there was nobody within 200 yards of the cat. Right coming now, across an open could it have field. been a could it have been a pit that was turned loose? Sure, you know I mean you, you you run into all kind of uh, scenarios when you start dealing with that. But now, uh, cougars, unlike a lot of animals, have tremendous ranges. Uh, people don't understand that cougars just, and particularly a, a young cougar, male trying to locate him a territory, travel extensive miles. Uh, and we know that that the Florida Panther has has come up all the way up into Georgia because of what was four or five years ago. Got killed one over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, they were a the big hullabaloo blue about it they they were going to prosecute him and all that. until they figured out Georgia didn't have a closed season on Cougar and uh, it was a, a Florida Panther. They he turned it in. He carried it and gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, he didn't know he'd done anything wrong, and. Uh, may have had a tag I, I can't remember that part of it but they you know they move a lot and, and they don't stay in one spot so so you, until they, they develop a home range and there was according to Ralph Allen was a biologist who was really involved in a lot of the restocking and all that many years ago when I went to uh, Montgomery and this is in the 70s he he said that they had actually found evidence in Baldwin County of a uh, cougar den. Huh. Oh, wow. Now, so um, how many of them are they? Uh, you'd think with the, with the trail cams and stuff we got now that you, if there were many of them, we start getting pictures of them. They can't be very many, or we would have pictures of them. Right, um, I agree. Right. you oh. know, I mean, uh, it's kind of it's kind of like. Anything else? Now you, you can't you can't go far without getting your picture took. So uh, you know <laughs> it's, it's a. Yeah. But uh, again, the the fact that there could be some, and, and and again, you you've got the abundant prey species for them, which are white-tailed deer. They love they love to hunt deer, and there's nothing to keep them from being here. Uh, I mean, they they've got. Lots of big areas to get into that they could stay away from people, and they they generally like to stay away from people, and and their their hunting and travel circles are so wide, fifty miles was nothing for one. Of them. Sure, I mean, well, so you know.
2: We, you know, you're making – Lanny's just bouncing over here. <laughs> beaming. So uh, I'm beaming. So I, I can believe that a Florida Panther would come through. It uh, could move right. up. And, I mean, I like to think that because mm-hmm. I would hope that those things are rebounding and doing well. But Lanny's under the idea that he's kind of narrowed it down. He thinks what he saw was a day mm-hmm.
5: Well – there there in the 70s there was there was uh, a Jaguarundi in Ballon County
3: I told y'all that (laughs) 1973
1: I think Tim is my favorite guest ever
5: (laughs) (laughs) you know I uh, I forget now exactly the circumstances but it was confirmed I I don't know if it was killed run over uh, trapped or what but there there was and this is the early seventies, and, and again, you're talking about an animal that's pretty secretive and travels a lot, and he's not very big though. Now, this this jaguarundi, if you look, doesn't get very large. Right, that's what I believe. You know, I bobcat, I saw, yeah. bobcat size is about what they're what they yeah. to.
2: So, isn't it interesting uh, how the if, when every all these stories that you hear through the years at hunting camps, it, it kind of all centers around somebody saw a black
1: panther yeah but i never yeah. said what i saw was a black panther now you've made I understand.
5: that that's why why i and clarified I, I, it before we got started because yeah. i i can believe a a large brown cat i mean listen it's 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 not only possible i'd say it was probable that somebody could see one because i mean listen if it, he's on the, the border between georgia and alabama uh, that's not far for a cougar to travel and getting into a river system and move up and down it right. yeah, it's just it's just I mean the the range they have is just really really big uh, you know the Florida Panthers are supposed to be down at the Everglades but they kill one up here in Georgia mm-hmm. so that's a long way. think about that how far that is and and yeah it's, it's within the realm of possibility that it could happen but now when you get into the Black Panther thing, I think people are actually seeing something in their, in their mind awesome to think it was a Black Panther. Now, now some of this is, I, I hate to say it, but it's tricks. Uh, I know where there's a, a mannequin that's painted black. It's got. Eyes that will reflect, and he's has been. I don't know lately, but in the past, he has been put beside the road. (laughs) We should do that. (laughs) Hey, hey, listen now. Now, people, of course, when they come back, he's gone because they -hmm. run out and get him and hide him in the woods. You know, I mean, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I saw where somebody.
3: I saw where somebody it, it, spray painted a bobcat mount and put a paper towel roll on the on end of its tail, tail to make it longer. Yeah. It actually looked yeah. pretty realistic. It's a fun. Well,
5: picture. this one this one looks realistic because it is a, a, a mounted. It's a <laughs> mannequin to put a skin on to make a, a mountain lion <laughs> And man, they painted mount, it black. <laughs> and it's painted black, and it's got a long tail. And they put they put some stuff off a bicycle on it. And his eyes to make them reflect so when you run by and the light shines on it there's a black cat with his eyes shining at you and oh, my goodness. you know doesn't could be more realistic than that to somebody running 50 miles an hour in a car that's and they slide right. the tires and time they can get turn around and come back it's gone well yeah i saw him and he run off before yeah, i could yeah. get back really. well. you some know, people so, have too so. much time on their
4: hands that's right is what this whole well
5: game it's game. just they're just having fun you know it's just having that's fun. Right. that's right mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we're all turkeys, mm-hmm. let me let me let me give you a little information. And I'm no biologist, and I'm I'm just gonna give you the information that I have. I talked with Bobby about it, and the predator load in some areas, and I'm not saying all areas, is just tremendous. And I didn't realize it until last year, the first year we could legally bait. My son set up some. Uh, feeders, and we put cameras on them. I started seeing an awful lot of coons. That's the first thing. Then we started seeing, on the trail cams, we started seeing some other predators. So I said, you know, I'm going to eliminate some of them. So I'm going to give you the numbers now. And, And this is off of 60 acres. And I have not trapped anywhere but on 60 acres. I trapped five grown male bobcats. I trapped four grown red fox. I trapped 15 grown coats. I trapped 36 coons and 19 possums. Goodness.
1: That's pretty clear what's going on there. Yes, right,
5: yeah. <laughs> you were in the fire. I mean, now, 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 ground nesting birds have a time. Do they all live on my place? No. They, they pass through it. There's a creek runs on the lower end of my place. Of course, they follow the creek system and stuff. But for me to catch them, that means they had to come through my property at least one time. Mm-hmm. And and you th- you think about and I, I'll go ahead and say this: there are some places local here in Montgomery County that have uh, had professional trappers come home, and the instant they did, their turkey populations went up. Yeah,
4: wow. uh,
5: yeah. I mean, there's no doubt it is a factor. Is it the only factor? Of course not. Do we do we have bad hatches because of weather. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you have floods. And, Flood out a lot of nests. You have rains, that, uh, I, and I don't know what it drowns chicks after a while, but if it keeps them wet for three or four days, I think they get hypothermia. Mm. And they just, uh, a lot of things can affect it. But but if a uh, nest never has a chance to hatch, that's zero percentage. Mm, that's right. Yeah. So, so that's just something to think about now. I, and, and I'd never really got into the numbers until, you know, I just, it
4: just Tim, you're speaking my love language because from the Turkey Report, we've been preaching predator control as a mm-hmm. way of maintaining balance, I guess would be the key word. Because, you know, we don't have the fur market we did 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so the really the primary people that are maintaining balance in the predator populations are the, the, the people that. Are doing it to benefit a desirable species such as turkey or quail or deer. and So um, right. you know, I've I've heard the same thing from professional trappers about how they have seen, uh, you know, doubling and tripling of of predator populations over the last ten years because of these factors.
5: Well, it, it 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 just nobody nobody coon hunts anymore and takes coons. If they if they coon hunt, they don't kill the coon. They just don't get the dogs off and go on. I mean, what they're going to do with a dead coon. It's just, uh, so, so the, the predator numbers in areas. Now I'm not saying everywhere because I don't go everywhere, but in a lot of areas, the predator numbers have just reached really, really high levels. Uh, and, and by associating myself with some of the trappers that do, and I don't do anything for, you know, commercial i don't i don't trap on other people's land and make money and do those things but the people that do where they go the numbers generally go up and and one thing that that, that is noticeable is the the turkey population goes up the deer population recruitment goes up uh and, and i know you can get too many deer but it'd be nice for people to control that instead of Coyotes to control it. I mean, I, I just don't see. Uh, I just don't see letting coyotes eat up everything you're spending your money to raise and 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 other predators too. Now, coyotes, in my opinion, take a lot more fall deer than people give them credit for. Uh, you take a you take a two or 40 forty pound coyotes. Uh, they can pretty much take care of most anything they want to. Uh, they don't have to all the time it's just a full coat, it's a full code. but when they get hungry they go eat mm-hmm. know uh, they uh, you know so and, and they did that study on Fort Rooker that I think it said that probably 70% of their phone recruitment was lost to codes. wow
2: that's a big number yeah, yeah.
5: And, and, and actually I'll tell you how seriously they, they think it is they have actually created on fort rooker two full-time trapping positions to handle to handle wild hogs and predators that's what they did wow. and their deer wow. numbers have started back up so i get yeah. off that i just i just found it interesting that uh that yeah yeah the yeah. number I of predators dry. that were in this area right here and of course now, deer season's ended today. I'm I'll go back to putting a few traps out just to see if anything's filtered in. Yes, but, sir. Uh, I was going to
1: bring that up. You well, know, now's the time and, to be trapping. I know yeah. David in the Wild Turkey Report's been posting about saving the poults, Yeah, yeah uh, and trapping. Right. Legal, yeah, huh? it,
5: it is right. And from now to the mm-hmm. beginning of turkey season is is the ideal time to be taking predators out because you, you're saving your nest. There so, you go. And, and, and I've not been all coyotes. Coons, coons, possums, you know, and skunks there there's some things that you can you can help control. Of course, your avian predators legally you can't you can't do anything about those, of course, but uh, the ones you can unfortunately is State Alabama allows you to trap coyotes, um, coons and possums year round. You don't you don't yeah. have to quit there. Uh, yeah. So that's a uh, that's, that's a does.
2: that's a good task for a gamekeeper for for sure. We've we've touched on it before, but that's something we need to talk about more in the future. Well, Mr. Cosby, we appreciate you being on the show and appreciate uh, you being passionate about the outdoors and uh, wanting to teach folks, but we, we really do. And then, thank you for being on today, and, and uh, well, I'll be in touch with you in the future, I'm
1: sure.
5: All right. Sounds good. Talk right. to you later. Thank, thank you, Mr. Tim.
1: Man, that guy knows about the, the – the, it, it wasn't Portland and Baldwin County. No, Portland, it was uh, in Dallas County, I think. Oh, Baldwin's uh, down in
3: the coast. Baldwin's Mobile Bay. Area. I knew I messed something I, up.
1: I have
4: a suggestion, and I think this would be a, a really, really incredible thing. Y'all need a, uh, a spinoff podcast called the cougar chronicles
1: hey <laughs> it's a jaguar well, damn it. it's a jaguar yeah. But uh,
4: I, I think it would be really really popular and that would allow y'all to kind of go down this rabbit hole every week yeah well yeah. Uh, bobby
1: brings it up every week so i mean well it's his fault <laughs> it, it, it comes up a lot but,
2: but i will say that we need to talk to Toxie about the mossy head because he grew up hunting down absolutely there in, that, in yeah. that part of the world and yeah. i bet you he's had some experiences and I, hey. I was gonna, I was gonna uh, text him today about it. He's, he's, you know, off hunting the last day of the season. But uh, go, I'll go ahead and tell you. I heard y'all may have heard Mr. Fox killed him. Oh yeah, deer. yeah, he killed a good deer yesterday. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to buy the Toxie because yeah. I knew he was enjoying That's that. And they were probably taking pictures and all that. But I, I suspect he's got some mossy head stories. We'll
1: have to talk uh, to
4: okay, talk. I was gonna bring that point up. He said they used to refer to him down there as snake eye turkeys.
1: Huh. Hmm.
4: Same, same principle.
1: Uh, Snake eye.
4: I'll tell you this from my personal experience, and he was talking about hunting those river swamps. I hunt every year with some buddies down there for a weekend, and I absolutely loathe Alabama river swamp turkeys. They loathe me, and I loathe them back. So I, I pray <laughs> for the hills whenever I get done hunting them. So they're, they're not only unique, but they're
2: evil. Yeah, they're tough there's no yes. doubt about that so well david look we've enjoyed having you on here and thank you for your patience there it took us a while to get connected but we want to have you back on here as well and we, oh, yeah. we're just a big what What you guys do at mossy oak properties we're big fans of all that absolutely yeah well
4: it, it all fits together so well and i mean it's one big family here and you know the cool thing about what we do at mossy oak in general is we touch every a life cycle of the sportsman, every stage. Um, and so I don't know if there's any many companies out there, or any companies out there that can say that they do that.
2: No, I don't think there, there are. So, so look, everybody needs to go follow the wild Turkey report if yep. you don't already. And uh, David, we sure appreciate you being on here. We really do. And we'll do this again. Absolutely.
3: Next, we'll have you sing Absolutely. a song Thank for
2: us. Thank y'all <laughs> so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks David. David. Appreciate you being here, buddy. Yeah. Have a good day. So, guys, we didn't do a blood on the biologic segment, but it's been so late. I hadn't heard of a lot of people killing stuff, but that was a big deal about Mr. Fox. By the time this airs, it'll probably be on social media. I yeah, hope so. Probably so. Yeah, I want to see it. I heard it's a big deer. Hey, yeah, hey, I think it was a good deer too. So. Mr. Fox, he is something
1: else. Man, that's awesome. To see yeah, him. It is. I'm I, I, I after
2: expect it. his wife was sitting there with him, Miss Evelyn. So.
1: Well, I think he was hunting with Toxie, but I did see a picture of him and Miss Evelyn uh, doing a little turkey scout. Yeah, yeah and I did that see that. Really a little cool. warm so, weather. So that's yeah. what
2: made me say that. So, well, what a great hunt if Toxie was sitting there with him. Wow. We'll yeah. have to find out about that. But I can't wait. More to on, on that me. later. Yeah, that's right. So, is there anything else? Did we? Can we say we learned anything today?
1: I, I did, you know. I learned something every time. So.
2: Wouldn't you love to kill one of those now and be and really know what you had in your hand? Mm-hmm. I've
1: asked, I asked Wesley uh, for if he had a picture of it or anything, so we'll see what he says. So that turkey I was talking about at Cottrell Lake.
2: Yeah. Okay.
3: Well, hopefully a listener will chime yes. in, and uh, if they bag one, take some photos and submit it. I'd, I'd love to keep this conversation going.
2: Yeah, let us know. So look, this podcast has gone, gone kind of long. Do we do we have a ask Dudley question? We can. We do. We can throw in here real quick. Yeah. Let's get it going. You got it. We do. We've got uh,
0: Ask Deli from Chris Durano in southwest Florida.
2: Mm. Yeah, no accent there, I don't guess. I'm, I bet he knows where uh, I have been wanting a New York question to come <laughs> in so
1: Matt could do his best New York. Accent. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. All right.
0: Um, happy to say my bald cypress saplings that I received from you a couple months ago are starting to show some green and plan on planting them in a month or so. Please suggest what is the closest I can plant each tree from one another while still optimizing growth. I only have about 20 acres. Also, the spot where I was planning on planting will have three to four inches of standing water in August and September. Will this be okay for the trees? The first few inches of the trunk will be underwater at this young stage.
1: What species? Bald cypress. Bald cypress. Oh, yeah.
3: Um, good question, Chris. Uh, that can be a touchy subject. You know, you're planting trees. Uh, they like to have air and oxygen in the soil so their roots can work and take in uh, moisture and nutrients. So it's kind of funny. If a tree is too wet, it it almost simulates it being too dry because it, it can't drink any water. Um, cypress are obviously much more tolerant of wet feet than other species are. Um, and so if you're planting these in the spring, they're probably gonna be four, five, six, maybe even seven feet tall in Florida by the time your August and September floods get here. So um if it's only three or four inches of water, I wouldn't sweat it. Uh, is
2: that why a cypress tree pushes up those knees?
3: People argue that, and I, I don't think there's any real scientific proof yet. Um, some people think that's a way for them to uh, to breathe. To breathe. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's also a way um, and you can look at it different ways, but it, it can also trap veg, vegetation and debris and form more soil above the water level, and then those and then roots will grow in that. So where a cypress really wins the race is if, if it can ever get some roots up into some dry ground, then it can handle being flooded. But a, a seedling or a sapling doesn't have that advantage because it doesn't have a big root system yet that's able to find oxygenated soil. So um, if those trees were to go completely underwater for about a month, it could kill them. Um, And you, uh, you know, I think you said August and September, but your trees are going to be establishing in relatively dry ground for a cypress until that time. So, no, I wouldn't sweat it. Just don't don't plant something and then flood it completely over its head for a month and you'll be good.
2: Thank you mr know-it-all <laughs> all right dudley that was that's that's good because you know those trees i guess it just depends on when that water gets on them because we see so many cypress trees that are have water on them in the wintertime yeah
3: well the the natural cycle is you know the seeds fall out of the tree they float up to the edge um and they usually get established in cyclical periods where it's drier
1: hmm they're a beautiful tree yeah yeah we sell a lot of them i mean we have a, a Good amount, uh, and
3: he, we didn't really hit on the spacing, but you can space those things as close as eight feet together, um, and really as far apart as you want. But in the scenario he's describing, I would say fifteen to twenty five feet apart,
2: and that's a fast growing tree, yeah.
3: very fast. Yeah. Um, a lot of my customers will buy them to plant as future turkey roosting areas. Ooh, they have horizontal branching. And turkeys love roosting in Cypress trees um, if you've ever hunted near a Cypress break everybody's yeah. heard turkeys uh, they, maybe they like roosting over water they feel safer I'm not sure but you can put little pockets of Cypress on your property even if you don't have some nearby water they'll they'll still grow on dry land and
1: uh, so think hey, about that love yeah. establishing those roost trees yeah
2: that's pretty interesting oh wait, that's that.
1: a, how you know where, that's how you know where to start out in the morning. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Dudley. That was good. Well, is there anything else we need
2: to cover? I think we've about done it all. Yeah, I enjoyed it today. Been here for a while, yeah. Yeah, been here for a while, but good stuff. Did we ever determine if it was moss or mossy? Uh, I'm gonna stick with mosshead.
3: I think it's just vernacular. It's, yeah. it's whatever you call it. Bigfoot, big, foot, big
0: feet, snake
1: eyes, <laughs> yeah, right. <the> snake eyes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, all right, guys. Well, we sure have enjoyed it, y'all. Please, uh, thank you for listening. We hope we haven't put anybody to sleep. And uh, we'll,
1: yeah, email us, send us comments, please. Uh, let us know what to keep talking about. So yeah, and then hopefully they'll let us keep doing this, and we'll do one next week. <laughs> all right, thank all y'all. Right. So Dudley,
2: uh, why don't you say goodbye, Dudley?
1: Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Cleve.